What up, what up, what up everyone? We're back, we're back, we're building, we're building episode 196 is here. Thank you for the continued support. Keep listening to Combos Court. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button, man. Today's show, Jared Dubin joins in. Jared covers the NFL for CBS Sports. Basketball everywhere else, including 538 and the step back. Big shouts to Jared for joining in. Man, enjoy this episode. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Jared Dubin covers the NFL for CBS basketball everywhere else. Welcome to Combos Court. How are you feeling today? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I don't do too many of these in the morning. It's different, but it's good. Uh, we don't cover the NFL too much here on the pod, but uh, you do for CBS. I think it would be interesting to ask you, um, what will the NFL season look like in these times? Um, different, I guess. Just, just like everything else looks right. different. Um, some teams are apparently going ahead and having fans in their stadiums anyway. Full capacity? No, I don't think full capacity. They're talking oh, okay. like somewhere between like 7% and 33% is sort of the variation going on. Like, who you know, Jerry Jones will probably have like 75%. I don't know. Like, he's a crazy person. Um, anyway, yeah, I mean, the NFL season is going to be strange, um, just like everything else, just like the NBA season has been strange. Although the actual basketball, I don't think, really has been that strange. So maybe the actual football will be pretty similar. Well, the viewing experience has been great in the bubble. Like, I would argue that just watching on a TV, I mean, the viewing experience is better now than ever. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's if you're not explicitly looking for it, I don't think it's all that easy to tell that there's no fans there. I mean, some of it is... There are certain effects that you could see, one of which I don't really want to talk about because I'm working on a story for next week. I don't want to spoil anything yet. Can you give us the gist of it? Um, there are certain people inside the bubble that may be affected by the lack of a crowd and that may be contributing to certain things happening more happening more often than they usually do. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, it seems to be affecting Rondo in a good way. Uh, Jared, do you believe playoff Rondo is a real thing? I mean, he's making a huge difference, both sides of the floor. You know, everybody thinks of Rondo like he's 40, you know. He's, he's 34. I mean, it's old, but they look at this guy like he's like a grandfather, keeps himself in great shape. He's played better than I thought he even would, and I thought he would play good, but – I mean, I think him playing like this makes their chances a lot higher than ever, you know? Yeah, playoff, playoff Rondo, it, like, it makes no sense, honestly. Like, he was legit kind of bad during the regular season. He would sort of undermine their offense. He wasn't as good defensively as his reputation would suggest. And he does his whole, like, assist hunting thing, which I think everybody is kind of used to now. Um He's been really good in, in these few games that he's played 
in the playoffs. I don't think he was particularly good in game one. Um, games two and, and three, I think he was, I don't know, the, the third best player on the court for the Lakers, you know? Definitely. Um, LeBron and AD, which, you know, he's not going to be better than those guys. Um, you know, he's still got the, the vision. Like, I think some of his assists in, I think it was game one, it was just like, which, which, or whichever game it was that Marquise Morris had like 17 threes. <laughs> they were just like, I'm wide open on the perimeter and Marquise is wide open one pass away and I'm just going to touch the ball over to him. So it's like, yeah, you got an assist, but your impact wasn't as such as like having eight assists or whatever would make it seem. But I think he's been playing good defense. He stripped Harden at midcourt a couple times, gotten some fast breaks, which for the Lakers is really key because their half-court offense is just significantly worse than their offense in transition. So being a guy that's able to get them out on the run is really key for them. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been legit good. Yeah, and he makes up for uh, some of what they're missing with Avery. Some of it. I don't think that he's necessarily quite as good on the ball for the most part, obviously, as Avery Bradley. But Avery Bradley's always been one of those guys where, you know, he's this incredible on-ball defender, but defensive metrics haven't looked at him, you know, quite as highly as that would seem to suggest because he's not the greatest team defender. Like, there's there's guys that are good at one and not good at the other. Or there's guys that are pretty good at both. And there's guys that are good team defenders but not necessarily good individual defenders. Um, you know, Rondo – can do the individual defense stuff, but he's better at sort of like hawking and passing lanes and making rotations and being in guys' faces. And, you know, his long arms really sort of bother teams. So he's been good uh, on that front. I saw an article you wrote about Westbrook. Uh, What do you think him shifting his focus to the defensive side of the ball could do for the Rockets? Yeah, I mean, well, it would certainly help them get out in transition. Obviously, they need to play on the break, too. You don't want to play against – LA's half court defense, you know, the same, the same thing. Like it's just really, really tough to score against them when they're all set and you got guys like, you know, you got Anthony Davis covering like every inch of the floor and you got JaVale or Dwight at the rim and you know, it's, it's tough. So you got to get out on the break and Westbrook sort of disrupting things. He's, he's such an athletic player that if he ever got his hands on the ball, it's basically like a free dunk. Um, I think he's got to stop shooting threes uh, would be kind of an, another way to help. Um, yeah, I mean. He did that for a while, right? He did that at yeah, one point yeah. in the season. He's got like 13 threes or something in a three months, in a two or three month span or whatever it was. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he took seven of them in game two, which is just completely unacceptable uh, <laughs> from Russ at this point in his career. It's just, you know, the, the offense clearly is not there yet for him right now, like which is understandable considering he's come back from both he had coronavirus and then he had um, the, the quad injury. They kept him out for round one um, or most of round one. I honestly can't remember at this point. Yeah, everything's, uh, everything's jumbled together. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's just another way for him to, to impact the game. It depends – more on his athleticism and his, um, you know, knowledge and effort and all those different kinds of things than it does, um, you know, him being in rhythm and knocking down jumpers. So it's just the the Rockets are sort of winning games with their defense right now, and that him helping on that end would, you know, help that even more. Yeah, it's interesting because you brought it back to his draft analysis, and um, 
this is random. When I look at Anthony Edwards, I just feel like if he focuses on defense, like the offense will come and I believe he'll be the best player in this year's draft. And I just think that goes for a lot of players. If they just focus on the defensive side of the ball, like the offense will just come. I mean, you'll get a few maybe easy layups in transition. I feel like it's like that for so many players. Yeah, I haven't watched any of Anthony Edwards, so I can't speak to that. But there are certainly guys, obviously, that if they they focus on their defense, it helps them get easy baskets. That could help you get into a rhythm. I mean, there's so many different things that could help guys get into a rhythm. Like, you know, we saw last night where Fred Van Vliet, um, got fouled and he hit three free throws and then he hit back to back to back threes, you know, like hundred percent. Those, those, you never know what's going to help a guy get into a rhythm. Like you get easy layups on a fast break. If you get a, you know, a cut or a dunk, if you get some free throws, like anything that helps you get into a rhythm helps you, you know, so yeah, Boston Raptors, what a great game, man. I mean, that's one of the better playoff games I've seen in a while. Two great coaches. Who do you feel like is winning that matchup from the coaching standpoint? Um, I mean, I guess they're kind of playing it to a draw, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 3-3. <laughs> <laughs> Both of them, I think, have made different kinds of adjustments that have worked. You know, Nurse cut his rotation down to essentially seven guys, and they've been more competitive in the four games since he's done that. Um, yeah. We played Matt Thomas a couple minutes in each of the past few games. but And and Doc did something similar last night. I think he cut his rotation down, which is important. Yeah, he didn't cut it to seven. He basically just uh, took – I think he cut Reggie Jackson out. Um, right, right, right. You know, and obviously uh, Stevens turned to, you know – Robert Williams instead of Ennis Cantor, and then Grant Williams instead of both of them when the Raptors started going small with Siakam at the five. Um, you know, they've done different things like putting Tatum on Lowry or, you know, Kemba on Van Vliet or, you know, there's all different um, adjustments that both sides have made, and it's ended with a 3-3 series. So I think they've both done a really good job. Yeah, a lot point to Siakam's struggles, but I feel like they could get some more quick hitters for him, uh, quicker looks, quicker actions to him. Instead of him just trying to back somebody down, you know. Yeah. You know, um, sort of stagnant post-ups against Jalen Brown or stagnant wing isolations against Jalen Brown is not really working. Um, they got him early in the second half. They had, like, Van Vliet set him across screen. He got a, a post-touch right in the middle of the paint. Or maybe it was early in the first quarter. Everything sort of blends together again. But that was good. And then the, the very next possession, he tried to sort of dribble himself into the post and delay transition. And you know, bricked a fadeaway and then he went four for 19 or whatever. Like I'd rather get him the ball on the move than have him sort of stagnant and everybody geared up. And 100%. Brown. Yeah. And I think that's what, I mean, I think that's what helped the bucks a little bit towards the end of that game that Giannis stepped out. Like they, it was just more free flowing. Obviously they're a better team with Giannis, but I think sometimes when you take your best player out of it, actually MPJ made a comment last night about how everything ran through, Jokic and Jamal Murray too much, and it wasn't even killed. Yeah, um, I think MPJ always wants everything to run through MPJ, so I don't know how much. Stuff <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I was going to break like the career record for field goals attempted in a playoffs by like next Tuesday. Um, every time he touches it, it's getting a little ridiculous. 
but he's made a pretty good impact for them, you know? So, uh, I mean, especially last night, I think, he had, I think he had like 15 in the first half. I don't know if he scored in the second half. Um, certainly be good to get him more shots. Um, that's not to say they should be really running the offense through him. He's not really a run the offense through him type guy yet, especially because he's not a particularly good passer. Yeah. Um, but I certainly would be trying to get him more looks. I think, I mean, look, I don't agree with a lot of the stuff he says off the court, but in terms of a player, I think his ceiling is really high. Yeah, I mean, the the scoring package that he has yeah. is, uh, is pretty incredible. I mean, pull-up jumpers, step-back jumpers, post-ups, hitting offensive rebounds. He's a really good cutter already, nice. like real good sense for, you know, where to get open and how Jokic can find him, especially like moves really well without the ball um, and makes this level of impact. And I, and I still think it's very clear when you actually watch him on the court, he doesn't particularly know what he's doing right now uh, on either of the court. And on a certain level, that's really impressive because to be able to make the level of impact that he has while not particularly knowing what's going on apparently is pretty impressive. Like, I mean, you could see guys sort of directing him where to be on the court. Uh, if you watch closely enough, like Jamal Murray or Jokic or Gary Harris or Millsap or whoever he's out there with the time, we'll just point him to a different spot on the court and then he'll go there. Um, and that happens on defense and offense. Um, so it's really impressive, but also, you know, you never know it, whether or not that's going to come with time. You know, certain guys obviously gain the knowledge and gain a little bit more understanding and, as they progress through their career, they just, they don't need that anymore. But then there's other guys that don't like, I'm thinking about a guy like, um, like Amari Stoudemire, for example, unbelievable offensive player tried on defense, just didn't really know what to do for pretty much his entire career. It was just like in the wrong spots, didn't make the right rotations at the right times, you know, didn't shade guys to the right side. And basically was just like a guy who would chase help side blocks um, and it just didn't really work out for him ever on that end. Yeah, his, I, guess his, I guess his feel for defense wasn't the same as his feel for offense. Yeah, and I mean, look, if, if Porter, like, I think he's got an even more versatile offensive skill set than Amari did, and Amari was a really good offensive player for a long time, you know? So if he can tap out his offensive skill set, if he can even approach average on defense, that's a really, really good player. Um, right now, he's not even close to that, though, you know? So... It's, it's tough. I understand Michael Malone not necessarily wanting to, to base too much around him, especially if you're going to get targeted on defense over and over. And I think you saw down on the stretch of last night, they were just kept targeting him or Jokic. And I mean, it was like a free basket down the stretch every single possession, you know? So it's, it's tough and you got to find a certain balance, but I mean, they definitely need his offense based on the way guys like, you know, Jeremy Grant, who, shot really well in the first round series against the jazz. But I mean, he's like three for 7 million in this three games against the Clippers. So they need somebody to make some shots. Yeah. I guess you got to mix his athleticism with Jokic's awareness on defense and you'll have a great defensive player. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although Jokic doesn't really use that awareness quite enough for my tastes. He does some good stuff on defense. I mean, his feet just aren't quick enough sometimes. Yeah, I mean, there are times certainly where it looks like he knows where to go, but he just kind of thinks he's not going to get there and then doesn't go at all. 
Uh, it would be one thing if he like half rotated over and just couldn't get there fast enough, but at least make the effort to get there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I like when whenever Jokic is arguing with the ref, I like it because it shows he really cares. I know that's random, but because at times it just seems like he's just no emotion, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, some guys are outwardly emotional and some guys aren't. Like, you right, never right. see Kawhi get emotional out there either, you know? Right, right. And Kawhi, obviously, he's a, he's the quiet guy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to shift to Marvin Williams. Uh, you had an article about him. Do you think his career go underappreciated? I mean, anybody who actually played the sport would really appreciate a career like Marvin's. I mean, he played so long. And to last in the league that long, you pretty much have to be a good guy. I mean, I think it's um, – I played overseas. I know for anybody to have a long overseas career, you've you got to be a good player. But to just be out there for that long, you have to be a good person as well. And I'm sure the same is – I'm sure it's like that in the NBA as well. So can you speak to Marvin's career, and do you think it'll go underappreciated? Yeah, um, Marvin's is sort of universally considered one of, like, the good guys in the league. Like, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say anything negative about him at all as a dude. Like, he's good in the locker room. Everybody likes him. Like, so many guys I think you've seen already, like some of the younger guys that he played with. Um I've already come out and talked about the kind of impact that he had on them and their careers. Um, so I think that, 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 that part of it won't necessarily go underappreciated. I think a lot of the opinion about him as a player is obviously colored by the fact that he was the number two pick in the draft in a draft where Chris Paul and Darren Williams were picked shortly after that. So for a long time, people were like, you know, oh my God, I can't believe Marvin Williams went number two. What were the Hawks thinking? And granted, I don't think anybody knew what they were thinking even at the time when people thought, like, why wouldn't you just pick Chris Paul? Um, but that doesn't mean that Marvin didn't have, you know, a good career on his own. Like, I wrote about it briefly in my uh, Substack. Like, he's one of only 13 guys ever with at least 10,000 points, 5,000 rebounds, 1,000 assists. 500 steals, 500 blocks, and 1,000 threes. Um, it's a pretty impressive list. Like, it's eight Hall of Famers. It's him. It's Cliff Robinson, Rasheed Wallace, Andre Iguodala. Wow. Um, and I can't remember the – A lot of a lot of, a lot of jack-of-all-trades type guys. Yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, the other guys like LeBron, like Rory, Kobe Bryant. Like, you know, so – Right. It's uh, – Look, it's it's not like he had this unbelievable. Um, the other guy was Richard Lewis, by the way. It's not like he had this unbelievable career. He's going to the Hall of Fame, but you know he's a pretty pretty rotation player. You know, top seven, eight guy for fifteen years. Yeah, yeah. All right. Before we get out of here, I wanted to shift to the Knicks, Jared. Um, what kind of changes would you why? like to see? He said, "Why?" Yeah. <laughs> I. W- <laughs> What kind of what kind of changes would you like to see made to the roster, their roster construction? Do you believe RJ and Mitchell are untouchables? Um, I don't think anybody is untouchable. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, the I, I think Robinson looks like a good player. He's also a center who's going to have to get paid after this season. So right. I, I don't know that he's necessarily like a center that you're going to be able to have out there for. 38 minutes a game in a playoff series, you know, 
Um, yeah. So he wouldn't necessarily be eligible. Well, he has to stay out of he has to stay out of foul trouble first to play that many minutes. Yeah, I don't know. If it's Thirty-eight minutes. Period. Um, right. You know, I'm fine with a 22 year old center fouling on occasion. Like at least let him play 30 minutes. You know. Yeah. Like if he fouls in 32 minutes, who cares? You're not good anyway. Like, just you know, let the guy figure it out. Um, certainly, I didn't see anything from Barrett this season that would lead me to believe he should be untouchable. You know, I think he can be a good player. And I think that they're like, I don't think he's, I think coming into the draft, I had a little bit of a different opinion about him than the people who thought that he was like going to be an outright, you know, superstar, 10 time all-star type. I saw him as more of not necessarily a complimentary player. I still think like a top two, three type of guy, but not a guy that you would just sort of give him the ball at the top of the key and say, go make offense more of a guy that played off your top creator and sort of a power driver from from a, you know, from off of second side action and who could, you know, make the right pass after, you know, getting into his guy off the dribble on that side, really good rebounder, which I think is important from your wing players these days. He's got really good size. I think as he gets older, he'll be able to check, you know, two, three, four on defense as long as he's focused on that end. Um, So I think the potential is still there for him to be a pretty good player. I don't see necessarily the, the multi-time all-star type of guy though. Right. There's nothing you can't get there. Certainly if he made a big shooting improvement, that would go a long way toward helping that. Um, but I don't yeah. think I would make anybody on the team untouchable. Um, and then as far as changes to the roster, I would make like just, I don't know, get better. Like the, the team isn't good. Like <laughs> get their players. Get Like I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be adding anybody that can't either – that isn't either a plus shooter, a plus defender, or both. Um, yeah, yeah. Those are the sense. kind of guys to surround star players. Granted, they don't have any star players, I don't think, yet. But – in that, and I don't think they're getting any of this offseason. So in that case, you need to add guys that fit around those guys. Don't take a guy who isn't a star and make him your star. Yeah. Basically, guys like the whole supporting cast of the Rockets. <laughs> yeah, like get Daniel House types, get you know uh, Norm Powell types, even like yeah, you know what I mean. Like, look at these playoff teams and the sixth, seventh, eighth guys on those teams, and get some of those types of guys. For sure, for sure. Last thing, Jared. Um, any prior basketball opinions that you moved off of from watching this bubble that jumps out at you? Um, I don't know that it's necessarily just from watching the bubble, but at the start of the season and for the early part of the season, I thought the Celtics would have to go get another big man because I didn't think they were going to be able to survive with Daniel Tyson and his canter as their big men. And I just think that's not true anymore. Like, I think it's pretty clear. Daniel Tyson um, is pretty damn good. Yep. He could, he could be on the court for 30 plus minutes in a playoff series and, in the other minutes they can use Robert Williams or they could use Grant Williams. Like they're fine there. Um, that's something that I sort of moved a lot on over the course of the season, not necessarily just in the bubble, but I think even more in the bubble Tice has been even better than he was during the regular season. Yeah. That's um, interesting. No. Yeah. And I'm with you. And one thing I moved off of was probably the Clippers rim protection because Zubac's been playing great. Like I thought they lacked rim protection at one point, but he's doing a pretty good job of that. Yeah, I mean, he looks really good. I think last night that 
There was a, a brief period where it looked like the, the Nuggets sort of cut into the lead. I think they got it down to like seven. And uh, I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, they got to get Zubac back in this game for Harrell. And then they called a timeout and got Zubac back in the game for Harrell. And then the game was over. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm really impressed with the way he's played. Most definitely. Jared, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Please let the listeners know where they can find you on social media and everywhere else. I'm on Twitter at jadubin5, the the number five, not the letters. Um, Find my work. Um, If you click on my Twitter, there's like a link to all my work, NBA and NFL. Um, NBA mostly right now at 538 and the step back uh nfl obviously is all at cbs and uh football season starts tonight so there's gonna be a lot more of that kind of stuff coming pretty soon jared great stuff man you're always welcome back talk soon thanks for having me i appreciate it anytime thank you for listening to combos court big shouts to jared for joining in we appreciate you combo nation punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already also man let me know how you feel about this episode by dropping a comment right in your apple podcast app or wherever you listen to combos court also take a screen shot of this episode post it in your ig stories tag me at one two combo so i can share it that's o-n-e-t-w-o-c-o-m-b-o be on the lookout for episode one nine seven combo out